As the market for EVs and hybrids continues to grow, consumers have more options. In less than 10 years, we've gone from two to three choices to now having more than 50 EVs or hybrid models available for sale. I'm Robert Colangelo, this is GreenSense, where we highlight eco-innovations. This week, we're joined by Consumer Guide Automotive Publisher and our friend, Tom Appel, for our green road test and an update on the Chicago Auto Show. Tom, welcome back to GreenSense. Well, thanks for having me. Well, you went to the Chicago Auto Show. It's the nation's largest and longest running auto show. And due to COVID, uh, the 2021 show had a few changes. Tell us about it. Yeah, the show would have been scheduled for February, which is its regular spot um, early, early in the year and often the first or second auto show. But this year, because of COVID concerns, the show was rescheduled for summer. So it took place in July. It was, it was dubbed a special edition of the Chicago Auto Show. Things were scaled back a little bit. But I think that if you're a consumer and you hadn't been to the show before, you would not know that this was scaled back. It still consumed 400,000 feet inside of McCormick Place. And there was additional show activity outside uh, on Indiana Avenue, outside of McCormick Place. Doing anything outside in Chicago, whether it be winter or summer, is a challenge. Uh, our summers can be hot. They can be rainy. Did the weather cooperate? It seemed to. It was warm. I don't think people minded too much. How did it go over with visitors? Um, the Chicago Auto Show authorities, uh, the people who put on the show, reported having 100,000 visitors for the event. Not bad given that the show took place in half the time it normally does, and that it happened in the summer when there is all sorts of competition for people's attention. Any special precautions for COVID at the show? Yes, there were two big precautions. One was that you had to order your tickets in advance so there wouldn't be lines at a ticket booth. Additionally, they were limiting the number of people who could come in at any one time. So you had to, uh, you had to schedule for a particular four-hour period to visit. Being outside, was the auto show able to offer any attractions that they may not have been able to offer uh, during their typical indoor show? Yeah, there was some fun stuff outside, including food trucks. And Ford and Volkswagen made available their electric vehicles, their new electric vehicles, the Ford Mustang Mach-E and, and the Volkswagen ID4 uh, for test drives. And what about uh, green car highlights? Any special cars featured other than the two mentioned? There were two fun prototypes there. Actually, they're not prototypes. They're advanced near production vehicles. Uh, the Kia EV6, which is a small electric crossover, and the Hyundai Ioniq 5 were both on display. Any updates on the Tesla Cybertruck? No, actually, that seems to be delayed again. Tesla seems to have its hands full of all sorts of other projects. So the Cybertruck, I don't think there's a fixed date in the future. Are any of the trucks going to hit their mark? Um, it's looking like the GM Hummer or the GMC Hummer may be on time. And it looks like the Ford uh, F-150 Lightning electric pickup will also be on schedule. Well, that'll be interesting uh, to see who's first and to see who's last standing. So we'll keep an eye on that. With the uh, Chicago Auto Show uh, appearing this summer, do you think there's any chance they'll continue offering it in the summertime? No. And if you ask the people who run the Chicago Auto Show about that, they'll just laugh. Uh, it, it, it takes everything that they do to get the show together once a year. So expect the show to happen in February next year. Yeah, kudos to them. Uh, it's hard to do anything in this COVID environment. And to put on a show of that magnitude, uh, I just give them credit for going forward. So uh, congratulations. Anything else we missed or you'd want to share about the show? 
No, I think that was it. I think that the, the summer thing was fun and it's a shame that they can't pull off a mid-year event, but there really isn't the manufacturer cooperation for such an event. And I think that were COVID not a factor now, we would not have seen a summer event of any sort. Well, let's move on to our green road test. This is always lots of fun. And I, I'm going to stretch your uh, memory banks here. Tom, do you remember <laughs> when Japanese cars were not reliable and not very trustworthy? I do. I also remember when they were known for rusting, a thing <laughs> that is not the case anymore. Well, this week where you've test drove two cars, both Japanese, and it's amazing how high tech and even uh, how reliable even mediocre cars have become. But these are very superb. Uh, the first is the 2021 Lexus UX 250 HF Sport, which is one of the smallest crossovers I've ever seen. Uh, the MSRP on this was 41,600. As I said, it's an extra small crossover. The uh, front uh, cabin is roomy, but not a lot of leg room in the back if you've got two big guys uh, sitting there. Uh, I, I thought the car had excellent maneuverability. It had lots of standard features and safety technology, sporty seats, uh, some small uh, convenience features that I liked was the dual open armrest. You could open it left or right, passenger or, or driver. I liked the way that you can shift the uh, modes from eco drive to sport drive to normal drive and how your odometer would move and give you different information. Uh, the heads up display was nice, but sometimes I found that a little hard to see. And I was amazed for a car that small and being a hybrid, how the acceleration wasn't so good. And it also had a very confusing infotainment system. So I uh, wanted to get your comments, Tom, but before we do, let's talk about what was under the hood in the drivetrain. Yeah, the, the Lexus UX, which is the smallest and least expensive thing in the Lexus U, uh, lineup, is powered by either two motors. One is a two liter normally aspirated engine, uh, that's good for about 169 horsepower, or the hybrid version, which we drove, the 250, 250H, is powered by a 181 horsepower, two and a half liter hybrid engine made into what's known as a CVT, continuously variable transmission. And tell me, what does that mean, CVT? CVT, continuously variable, um, is, is a transmission often linked to hybrid engines. It's well suited for that application. There are no fixed or stepped gears. So we used to talk about three or four speed automatics these days in the high tech world. We talk about eight, nine or 10 speed automatic transmissions. The CVT has no fixed gears. Instead, they're always changing. This is great for efficiency, not that great for feel. Yes, I, I did not like, as I said, the acceleration on that. And it was funny, it had pedal shifters and I don't know how uh, those could actually add value with, with that small horsepower. The thing I did like about it, I was getting between 42 to 45 miles per gallon, which is really where I think hybrid should be. And I was also amazed at the regenerative brakes. They just felt like normal brakes. Uh, what were your thoughts on the cars? What did you like? What didn't you like? Yeah, I agree. Um, Toyota has been doing hybrids for a very long time now, and they've got the regenerative brake process down. For people who don't know, it is the braking process that generates electricity that powers the motor in a hybrid system. So when you brake, it's not the brakes that are providing the stopping power initially, at least. It's the motor being turned the opposite direction. And the interplay between the real brakes and the motor can be really bad in a bad hybrid vehicle. But Toyota does it so well, you don't notice that it's happening. Um, this vehicle is, for the most part, relatively transparently a hybrid. You don't know that it's a hybrid, except perhaps, as you noted, for the lack of power. 
What impresses me about this car, I think, is, is the quality of the interior materials, the general quietness, and the room and comfort up front. Uh, if you need to put people in the back seat, this isn't the vehicle for you. No, and why do they call it a crossover? It just looks like a, a small sporty sedan. <laughs> <laughs> because you can't sell a sedan anymore, so you have to call it a crossover. <laughs> Great. That's why you're the guru of gears. Well, uh, anything else you'd like to add on to that, or should we go on to the next car? Yeah, uh, in very, very cold weather, which can have a negative impact on, on the hybrid operating system, we saw 38 MPG here at Consumer Guide Automotive, which, given the conditions, uh, still very good fuel economy. Well, we'll move on now to the Toyota Highlander Limited all-wheel drive. Uh, this is a large SUV. The MSRP on that was 50700 It has three rows of seats. Boy, this car was fantastic for the highways. I drove it up to uh, Michigan along the coast of Lake Michigan, and it was just a pleasure to drive. It was roomy, smooth, quiet, very well-appointed, uh, comfortable interior. I love the center console. It had a place to, uh, uh, a hot charger to put your wireless phone, and you can cover that and put your elbow down on it. Uh, I thought the car handled very well on the highway. It is a big car, so it's not really nimble, but it's a, it's a good cruiser. Lots of standard safety features. Uh, I don't know how many cameras are on it, but you get many different uh, camera views when you back up or go sideways. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this car. Let's take a look under the hood and tell us how it works and uh, what's, what's under there. Yeah, the standard Highlander uh, is powered by a three and a half liter V6. That's good for 295 horsepower. A hybrid is powered by a 2.5 liter, actually a version of the same engine that we just discussed in the UX, but tuned for more horsepower. It's a 2.5 liter four attached to a hybrid system. And that's good for 243 horsepower in this application. And uh, it has 3,500 pound of towing capacity. Again, it had three drive modes, eco, normal, and sporty. I was getting around 35 miles per gallon on it. Um, there was nothing about it that I didn't like. Did you have any uh, pros or cons that you'd like to share? Um, mostly pros. I, I think this is an incredibly competent highway vehicle. It is quiet. It settles in nice way on the highway. And in hybrid form, you get excellent highway mileage as well. Really good, comfortable front seat space for anyone there. Decent rear seat space, a usable third row, which is great. Uh, there's a lot to like here. I think the car handles a little sloppy around town. It's not something you want to try to hustle through a corner. Even compared to other crossovers of its size, I think it's a little bit sloppy. But that's a minor complaint because people don't really drive crossovers that way. No, they're, not, they're not made for the racetrack. <laughs> um, well, Tom, I appreciate your time. I thought we covered a lot of ground today from the auto show to these two car reviews. Uh, next time we'll meet, uh, we'll talk about the Hyundai Santa Fe uh, hybrid. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying driving that, and I'd love to hear your remarks on that uh, when, once we meet next, uh, next time. So thank you for joining us, and uh, until we meet again. Thanks for having me. That's Tom Appel, Consumer Guide Automotive Publisher, joining us here on GreenSense. Read his articles, reviews, and subscribe to his podcast, Car Stuff, at ConsumerGuide.com. Subscribe to our podcast at greensensefarms.com. Check out the GreenSense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM, WBBM, Chicago.